Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you, everyone. We have just a short while ago come back from the retreat, which was such a wonderful weekend in the presence, the felt known presence of the Lord and fellowship with each other. But um, right now, I'm feeling the fact that we talked all weekend. And so if I look like a zombie while I'm speaking, there's nothing wrong with your computer. Okay, Um, let's read. And let me preface this by saying that we mentioned this, this event uh, in a very recent seminar, uh, webinar, and uh, there was such a response to that. It helped a lot of people, especially, may I say, that email from James that talked of how life-transforming this was. So I want to take it from just being an illustration. I want to look at it head-on. And so we can turn to uh, Matthew's Gospel in chapter 3. And in verse 16, this is on the banks of the River Jordan when John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus. Verse 16, after being baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted for forty days and forty nights, He then became hungry, and the tempter, Satan, devil, came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And my text as such would be right there in the word of Satan, if, if you be the Son of God, if you be the Son of God, then turn these stones into bread. But let's look at it. Let's look at it a little deeper than we did before. First of all, you have the event at the River Jordan. Jesus is 30-something, And he has left the carpenter shop where he has been working since he was 12 years old as an apprentice to his supposed father. And then he would take over the whole shop. And he is known throughout the entire Galilee as the carpenter of Nazareth. So he is established. He's set as a young businessman in the center of the Galilee. And then comes the word uh, borne by travelers that down there on the river Jordan, John the Baptist is proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is about to break upon the world. That is the trigger within the spirit of Jesus. And leaving the shop, locking it behind him, he heads down the river Jordan toward where John was baptizing. And there he was baptized. It was um, his, what shall I say, the moment he is thrust upon the world, 
publicly as the Messiah. And from here on, he is going to be the Jesus that fills the Gospels. But until this point, he's been unknown. He's been the carpenter. He's been waiting for that word from the Father. Well, it's come. And now as he's being baptized, the two things happen. First of all, there is the voice that comes from heaven and it, it, he is bathed in more than water. He's bathed in the voice of Father God. And the voice says, You are, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit then comes upon him. And, and, and there it is, the word of the Father and the Holy Spirit filling him, a, a relationship is established. Jesus walks soaking wet out from the River Jordan, and immediately the Spirit, who has now come in that closest of relationship with Jesus, now drives him into the wilderness. The word there is very strong, um, it, it is more than a suggestion. The Holy Spirit is making it plain. Nothing is going to happen until you've gone into the wilderness and faced Satan. That, that This is the number one on the agenda. It's not even just priority. Nothing's going to happen until this has been done. And so Jesus heads toward the wilderness of Judea. Um, let, let me say that Jesus... Jesus is a hundred percent human. I, I, I think you believe that. I think you've heard me say it uh, many, many, many times. Uh, and at the same time, not, not something separate, at the same time, Jesus is a hundred percent God, Son of God, God the Son. He is God come from God to join himself, to assume our humanity, that God shall be known within the limitations of human, but as an authentic human, a hundred percent human, he is, this is what many people miss, Jesus is showing to us, he's revealing to us what humankind was always meant to be. Please understand this, please understand this. Sin and being subject to, under the authority of Satan, is not natural to mankind. That is not, shall I say, an attribute of being human. When, when, when we say human, some persons will put in there an attribute or, or something that is always true of humans and makes a human, they put in sin. No, no. Human is how human came fresh from the hand of God at creation. Sin came in later. Sin came in as an invasion. Uh, sin and coming under the authority of Satan must be looked at more as a kidnapping. Um, Howbeit with the full will of man involved, but uh, not, not natural. Human was human before that. And when that came in, mankind lost the the purpose, the meaning, and that's why he goes off all over the place looking for purpose, looking for meaning, trying to find himself. No, Jesus is authentic human, as human was always intended to be. And if you go back there to the book of Genesis, it says that mankind... Man and woman was made by God in the image and in the likeness of God. Well, what is an image? An image, just the word as we use it in our English language, an image is that which perfectly represents me. It's, it's, that's me. I look in the mirror. I see my image. And I say, that's me. It perfectly shows everything that I am. The image of God. God created mankind. He created you and I that there should be a union between us and him. A union. That is God himself 
should live within us so that through this body and through these organs and skin and ligaments and nerve endings, uh, this, this body made out of the dust of the earth, God himself should be seen. And people would look at us and see there a true representing of God. They should see a reflection of him. Not that we are God or would ever become God, but we are made in his image to reflect, to represent him. So an authentic man. And Jesus comes to rescue mankind, to bring us back to what we were created to be. And he, he becomes the first human first genuine human who is being everything mankind was meant to be to the nth degree for this indeed is God the Son living inside our human bodies and flesh and revealing within that humanness who God really is and he is the beginning of this new human race, this new creation. And therefore, the first thing he must do is triumph over Satan, who brought about the great lie and deceit and disaster and trashing of mankind and the image of God in man. So he's, that's the first thing before we go anywhere else. He has got to face Satan in the same way as Adam faced Satan all that millennia ago in the Garden of Eden when Adam handed the whole lot over to Satan, surrendered willingly. Now, Jesus, as the last Adam, the, the, the second mankind who is going to finish with Satan, do away with sin and bring mankind into the presence of the Father and restore in us the image of God. So he goes. See, he's got to make... Adam made the wrong choice. That's putting it mildly. Adam led he and his children and all that would come from him. He led us into death and into darkness and confusion. Now, Jesus, the true, what mankind was meant to be, dependent upon the Father, obedient to the Father, he's got to face that lie of Satan and defeat him. And facing that lie, it's got to be very believable, or this is just a charade. Jesus has got to be really tempted, the same as Adam. And there he must choose to obey his father and in so doing defeat Satan and overthrows the usurper. Yes, the kingdom of God is about to come to the earth, which has been under the rule of the false and phony one, Satan. This is the, this is the beginning of the revolution of all revolutions. And he goes into the wilderness. I, I've been into that wilderness. And, and uh, it, it's the desert of deserts. It is blazing hot in the daytime. It's freezing cold at night. Your, your company is with snakes and scorpions. A desert, waterless. And there Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights without food. Drinking only water wherever he could find it. And that, incidentally, um, is very doable. Any, anyone can fast for 40 days. And exactly as it says, after 40 days, he was hungry. Because if you fast for 40 days, only the first three days will you feel hunger. Hunger will return on the 21st day and then go away again. And you will feel no hunger. But at the end, when 40 days are up, at that point, your body is hungry. And unless something is done pretty soon, you're going to be start feeding on your organs. So when it says Jesus fasted for 40 days in that desert, 
he, he's, he's burned in the desert with no food in his body except for water. You know, uh, how can I put this? I, I, I reiterate, Jesus is authentic man. It says he was tempted in all points like as we are. And therefore, get inside the head of Jesus just, just, just to get a catch of it. You know, six weeks is long enough anyway, but six weeks in a desert like that, six weeks away from human persons, six weeks away from food, you know, that voice you heard at the River Jordan seems a long way off. Do you, do you follow me? All, all that led up to his going to the, the Jordan and then the voice and the coming of the Holy Spirit, in his natural mind, all of that seems, it has to seem very much like a dream. I mean, did the desert that's full of mirages, this would almost be like a mirage. That, that the Father said that to him and he was empowered with the Holy Spirit to come and be Messiah, the one who would lead us in triumph out of the darkness. Present circumstances at the end of 40 days of fasting does not look like his being the beloved son. And in that condition, he meets with Satan. In the Garden of Eden with Adam, Satan came looking for Adam but in this case, because Jesus is coming from within our captive race, in, and he's coming now to defeat Satan, he's looking for Satan. And he comes and he finds Satan there in the wilderness. This then is the second Garden of Eden. Only there's a difference. He is weak. Yes, weak from the blazing sun and 40 days without food. He's weak with, with hunger. He's gaunt. And, and his clothes are just hanging on his body like on a scarecrow. Whereas when Satan came to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, Eden was a place of abundance with every kind of food they would ever want and they were well fed and well rested in that abundance they were tempted jesus is absolute reverse of that and satan comes and i don't know how satan came the bible is not specific on that but i i would say that it's a real possibility that Satan did not come looking like Satan, sitting down and saying, I am the devil and I've come to tempt you. Right there, really, that's the end of temptation. No, temptation has its power because it, it, the words of Satan, the suggestions of Satan are dropped into our head and into our desires. And unless we know better, we think they're our words and our desires. And I, and I think it was something like that, something like that. Well, certainly, if, if Satan was visible to Jesus, um, he didn't look like the pictures we have of the devil, because all of those are cartoon characters, and devil isn't like that. The devil said the words, the introduction, if you are the son of God. Oh, boy, that sounds so much like the Garden of Eden. When he came to Eve and he says, has God said? Were well, you really sure about what he said? If you are the son of God, he said to Jesus. Or, or you could put it this way. You, you, you don't look like the son of God. You know, this is, this is really, you should, can, you, if you had a mirror, you could see yourself. I mean, you, you don't, dear Lord, you, you look like a starving, hungry, and your, your hair is just hanging around your shoulders, and, uh, and the way the clothes are hanging, your skin and bones, man, you, you don't look like the Son of God. You, you understand that, don't you? I surely, you, you look rather pathetic, actually. Boy, that, that voice... That boy, did, did, did he really say that? That you are his beloved son? The way you look right now does in no way match that voice that you heard at Jordan. You, you look 
very unlike the Son of God. You look very unlike the beloved Son of God, doesn't it? You don't look like the Son of God, nor do you look like anybody loves you right now. You, you look like a frail, starving, weak, very human being. What Satan was saying in this, the, the voice that you heard back there at the River Jordan is obviously not enough. And in, incidentally, whenever Satan says his uh, tempting words, they've always got in them the sound of obviously. It, it's, it's always got in it the, the idea, this isn't worth arguing with, it's obvious if you've got two eyes in your head. You see, obviously that, that voice, it says you were the beloved son of, of the father in, in whom he was well pleased. Well, I, I don't know really what that meant, but obviously it was not enough, right? I, I mean, you, you wouldn't be standing here if that voice was enough, would you? I mean, come on, be logical. Obviously there's something missing in terms of that voice, something missing. I mean, please, I mean, give me some logic. You're the son of God and you're hungry? Oh, come on, give me a break. The son of God? Hungry? No, it's, uh, come on, come on. It, it's time to, time to act. You, you've got to do something. You, you've got to make something happen that will prove finally to yourself and incidentally in in this in in this satan is actually saying prove to yourself but also prove to me see satan is doing his work the only work he knows he's accusing He's coming on as a prosecutor. Come on, you, 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 you say you're the son of God. The, the father supposedly said you're the son of God. Well, I, I'm, I'm taking umbrage with that. I, I, I accuse you. If, if that's true, if that's true, then you see what he's saying. Hidden behind, if you are the son of God, do something. Why would I do something to prove to yourself and, said Satan, prove to me that you are the Son of God. And you'd better act independently of this father of yours, because obviously he's not doing anything. D do something that will satisfy you. Make something happen that will satisfy you and satisfy me, so I will stop accusing you. Obviously, if you can do something to act like the Son of God, produce a wonder, turn these stones into bread, do something, and then I'll admit it, yes, you're the Son of God, and I'll leave you alone. But in your present condition, I'm sorry, we've got to have this conversation. Can you feel what Satan was saying? If you are the Son of God, if. It's a veiled accusation, not only of Jesus, but it's an accusation concerning the Father and the relationship between the Father and Jesus the Son. Well, if you be the Son, you know, if there's anything to this, well, this Father and Son thing, uh, if there's anything to it, it if you really are the son of God, and then he's your father, I mean, I think it's just a dream in your head. But if there's anything to it, well, it's not working out too well, is it? <laughs> you know, boy, when I look at you, it's hard to believe you. you're the son of God. Good grief. Obviously, the father is not too interested in this relationship thing because he's obviously abandoned you to starve. Got eyes in your head. You certainly got a belly that's rumbling, wanting food. You know, I've got a weird head. I, I, I try to get inside these stories and, and feel them and see them. And 
When, when I hear Satan saying this, if, if Jesus saw Satan in any way, shape or form at this time, do you know what I think? And, and this is just in the side. It's the way I see it. That, that if he saw Satan would be sitting like some Eastern Lord and, and he would have demons waving ostrich feathers around him, and he would be eating grapes and catching them as he threw them into his mouth. And there'd be dates and figs. Here is Satan living in his apparent luxury and, and laughing at this poor scarecrow of a man standing opposite him. And, and, and do, do you see what I mean? The, the image of, of yeah, if, if I had power, if, if I had authority, if, if I was, and Satan says, this is what you'd look like. You know, you'd have food in abundance, food that was not really necessary, and you, you would look like son of God, and, and everybody would believe you're the son of God, and, and I would too, but you see what I'm saying? You've got to do something. And you've got to do something that's quite apart from this father of yours because he's not caring. That's obvious. He's not caring. You've got to act independently of this relationship that you have. You've got to, do, you've got to bring this up to standard. You've got to earn deserve being a son of God. So come on, show me the goods. Show me, show me. Then I believe you. If, if you're the son of God, well, that's downright suspicion. Once he says if, yeah, God spoke, but you know, let, let's debate that. I mean, we really should have a talk about this. If, I don't doubt you heard something back there, but I'm not sure it was the word of God. Let's discuss it. Let's go over it with a fine-tooth comb. Doesn't that remind you of what he said to eat, hath God said? I, I don't doubt you heard something, but let's discuss. You see, that's his method. It's his M.O. Suspicion. At this point, he doesn't come right out and say, God is a liar. No, he keeps that in the background, but just right now, inject some suspicion. You know, and always in, in, in the, the mode of, let's be logical. Let's have a, a, a conversation about this that is in the cold light of facts, not in some emotion that you allegedly had back there at the Jordan. Let, let's, let's talk about this. Now we're away from Jordan and now we're here in the blazing wilderness and now you're starving to death. Well, let's talk about it. Did he really say it? You say you're the son of God? Well, if you are, where's the proof? If you're the son of God, shouldn't this father of yours be providing you with food? <laughs> where's the proof? If you're the son of God, I would imagine you would have power that you could snap your fingers and turn these stones into bread. No, oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 have to, I have to debate this for your own good. You understand, don't you? We don't want you going off thinking you're the son of God when obviously it was a fantasy, you know. Because the son of God wouldn't feel like this, would he? Son of God, you'd never be in a situation like this, not if you're the son of God. No, if you're the son of God, then your father would care for you, wouldn't he? I think. I would imagine you'd be in a house, not out here in the desert. Well, no, maybe not a house, maybe in a mansion. That's more like son of God. Opulent luxury, that would prove to the world that you, you are who you say you are. Not, not standing here in a dirty old robe that you haven't taken off in six weeks and standing here barefoot in the desert. Oh, come on, come on, come on. You'd have servants, I think, and they would be bringing you food, wouldn't they? If, if, if you're really the son of God, you, you've got to do something, man. 
You've got to do something. You've got to act somewhere, somehow to make it happen. Make a miracle happen. Bring about some sort of experience that will convince everybody that it's enough. And look like the Son of God so that everybody's convinced of it, including me, says Satan. You know the amazing thing about this story? Jesus doesn't debate. Jesus does not give one millimeter to Satan. He does not debate it. He doesn't entertain for one second what Satan is saying. Even though, because he is true, authentic man, then indeed the suggestions of Satan would be nibbling at at his normal flesh response. But he doesn't debate. Something he said to Peter many months later, when, do you remember, he was talking about he had to die and suffer. And Peter jumped in and says, be it far from you. Don't even think about that. Jesus turned on Peter. And do you remember, he says, you do not savor the, the things of God, the thoughts of God. You're, you're savoring the thoughts of men. He said, so get behind me, Satan. I recognize the same old voice here. But the word he used there, you do not savor. You know what savor is. We've had Thanksgiving just a few days ago. We're coming up to Christmas. There'll be a lot of savoring. Savoring, you don't eat. It's when you go to the kitchen during the cooking process and you smell the bird or you smell the steak and it's wafting on the air and it's so strong and you begin to salivate and you begin to drool and you stay there because this is almost as good as eating and you can't wait to get to eat. In fact, if it is far enough along, you might sneak a pinch from the bird. That's savoring. Jesus used that word to Peter and said, you're savoring, the, you're smelling, you're giving Satan at least a smell. And you're saying, you know, really, there's something to this, there really is. And you're beginning to think like Satan, you're beginning the debates going against you, it's leaning against Satan. Jesus doesn't, he doesn't even entertain, I say, not for a second, the satanic suggestion. He sees right through it and he answers, man shall not live by bread alone, which right, the very first word, he says, you you want to deal with me as the son of God, but he says, I'm here as man. Yeah, I'm here as man and a man who is doing and being the original intention by being the image of God, revealing God which means that I depend entirely upon my Father. I depend on the original in order to be the image. So I don't act independently. I I don't make up what is good, what is a good purpose, according to what I feel in the moment. I live depending upon my Father who is my life. I depend upon the fact that his love is unchangeable, immovable. And I draw nourishment for my entire person from what he says. So don't even bother to pursue this line. I'm not in any way moved by what looks like appearances. I'm not moved by feelings or senses. I am dependent, I am expectant, I am receptive and receiving from my Father. He said, man shall not live by bread alone. And the word live, man alive. That's what mankind was created to be. And that's where mankind is truly alive. When he is the image bearer, when he is dependent upon the Father and images God here in his world. See, 
life, being truly alive, is more than, than a, a, a wonder, a popping wonder of turning stones into bread. Life's more than that. Jesus said, uh, I don't need bread if it comes to that. I can draw nourishment from his word. His word is my wisdom. His word is my strength. His word is my supply, my true nourishment supply. And to have that is true life. That's enough. Satan is saying, wouldn't it be nice if you had a miracle? That would prove you're the son of God, wouldn't it? Jesus said, no, it wouldn't. No. I am his beloved son. He is well pleased with me. I don't need circumstances to be aligned in a certain way to prove that. Think about that. And anyway, and hear this because it's implicit in the word, even if there was a wonder, even if it turned, there, there was power, and I said the words, and, and, and the stones turned into bread, even, even if that would be so, that wouldn't be enough, would it? Because you see, I've heard this. I've heard it over and over again in, in all the decades of my life. I've heard it. People say, if I saw a miracle, you know, if I saw a miracle, and and... Even in our own life, the, the, I, if, if, if God did something, then we, we say, what kind of miracle? If God did that then, well, of course, I'd never doubt again. <laughs> oh, you don't know yourself, do you? The, the fact is, it's, it's a weird thing. You see the miracle, and, and it's not enough. Uh, no, no. I've been in churches where there have been genuine miracles. And you would think they've seen the intervention of God in the material, physical world, and that would be enough. No, it's not enough. They want something bigger. And they've got to, and and it comes to the point where they're inventing something bigger because they've got, it's got to be always, it's got to be another and another and another. It's never enough. And it's got to be bigger than last time. Yeah, if Jesus turned the stones into bread, well, now that—that's not. If he were the Son of God, there'd be butter on the bread, wouldn't there? there? There would be a pot of jam beside it. There'd be oil and garlic to dip it. I don't know. It, it's never enough because this is not where it's at. Your identity as Son of God, Jesus is by the word of your Father that has entered into you and is now becoming the nourishment of your total person. And said, Jesus, I'm willingly submitted. I trust in my Father and his word, and I listen to his word concerning who I am. And I listen to his purpose concerning why I'm here. And that is my identity. I'm not identified by how many miracles I can produce. And so right at this moment, yes, I look like a scarecrow. Yes, I'm starving and my belly rumbles. But I am the son of God, the beloved son of God, the son of God in whom he's well pleased, who is presently in a wilderness, with a rumbling belly. Do you see what I'm saying? Think on that. You said, well, don't you believe in the miraculous? You bet I do. This same Jesus went to to heal the sick by, by the tens of thousands, and also, interestingly, to actually do a bigger miracle than turning stones into bread. He brought bread seemingly out of nowhere and fed 15,000 people, 5,000 men with their women and children. Um, But you see, he did that not to prove that he was the son of God to an accusing Satan, but because he was the son of God in union with his father, and he does it to show what his father is like and bless the people. Yeah. 
the, the Jesus, that what he said to Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, is a quotation from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, in which the Lord says to his people Israel that he humbled, he humbled them in, in the desert. It wasn't this desert, it was just over the way, but it was the desert. And the Israelites were in that desert, and they were there for 40 years. And he says they were humbled. That is, it it means they were reduced to such helplessness. That is, nowhere to turn, no visible means of support. And, And the Father brought them there to show them that he would never leave them, never forsake them. And it was theirs to simply trust in him, in the invisible. But Israel... Israel believed the satanic if, if you're the people of God. If you're the people, would God do this to you? Would God dump you in this wilderness? And so on and so on. They blamed God for not acting when they thought he should. Blamed God for not acting in the way they thought he should act. And at the same time, they denied what he said about them as his people. And so do you remember when they were facing the the demon-possessed persons of Canaan, they said of themselves, we're but grasshoppers. These people are going to tread on us. We're nobodies. We're nothing. We're like grasshoppers. Do you realize? That's a lie. It's a damn... It says that God lied because... He said, the Lord said of those same people that one of them could chase a hundred, two of them send half the place running. No, they said, we don't believe that. Our identity is in what we look like. Our identity is in what's happening. Our identity is in appearances that would satisfy even demons. No, no, no. Your identity is in what God says. What God says. And to show how much he loved them, he fed them with manna, which was food they never did know what it was. And that's the meaning of the word manna. Manna is an untranslated Hebrew word. It means what on earth is it? And and they, they didn't know where did it come from. It just appears every morning, every morning, every morning under the dew. Oh, God says, I... I can do what I want to do, and I'll be your father in ways that will leave you stunned for the rest of your life. Jesus, his identity was sustained by the word of God out of the invisible, and it contradicted all circumstances and appearances. That's how Jesus lived. That was it. And you see, you and I are included into him. That's the gospel. That's where all this ended up. Jesus, in his death and resurrection and ascension and the giving of the Holy Spirit, brings us into union with him to be this new kind of human, new creation, fulfilling our destiny in union with him. In his ascension, Jesus said, well, that's it. He said, I ascend to my father and your father. I'm your brother. We're in the same family. The Holy Spirit witnesses with your spirit that we are the children of God. And when you heard that gospel, you rejoiced and you believed. And then circumstances, situations, appearances, and your feelings about those circumstances and appearances. And you heard the same voice that came to Jesus. I've heard it myself. And of course, you think it's your thoughts. You think you're being a logical human being and weighing the facts. You feel very wise, actually, as you you consider the appearances, you consider the circumstances you're in, and you weigh that against everything that God, through Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, says about you. And it comes out almost exactly the same way. You, you, 
within you is, is this conversation, this voice, this debate going on. You? Come on, give me a break. You? A child of God? You? Seated in Christ with the Father? Come on. Look, look, I mean, you've got two eyes in your head. Look around. Look what's happening. It doesn't look like it, does it? If you were the Son of God, if God was really your Father, if Jesus really ever came, I mean, 2,000 years ago, you really believe that? I mean, I mean, look, look at what you're going through. Does that look like a triumphant child of God? I mean, look how you're feeling about it. Your feelings agree with me, so why don't you say yes to me and I see well, isn't it time that you you did something or, or and, and do something that would make a miracle happen to make all this go away? Because surely, if you're a child of God, all this would go away, wouldn't it? You you wouldn't be here. And anyway, if you say God is your Father, that you are in Christ, well, any father would have seen this collection of circumstances coming, wouldn't he? And surely any father worth his name would have protected you before you got this far. Surely he would have provided for you long ago. No, quite frankly, says Satan, when I look at you, I think he's thrown you under the bus. I mean, I'm not sure about his being father, well, of course, if he isn't father, then there's no gospel. It's all fantasy, isn't it? You missed it, man. You missed it. You're standing here looking by something the cat dragged in, and, and, and you're saying you're a child of God. I sympathize with you. I, I know how you feel. But let's face it, you missed it, if you ever had it. You must have backslidden or something. I mean, do something, do something. Have something in your life you can point to that will satisfy all these questions and satisfy me because I'm a very generous and logical Satan. Do something. Because either this father of yours has let you down or you're not good enough for him to do anything. So... Maybe it's your prayer life. You never were great at prayer, were you? you? You need to discover a new method of praying. You need to pray more and pray more. And, and, and I'm sure, not sure about your faith. Your, your faith is uh, very, very questionable. You need more faith. You've got to try harder. Try, struggle hard. I mean, show you mean this. Well, maybe... How often do you read your Bible? Maybe that's it. You see, you don't read the Bible very much. And, and how many times you've been to church in the life? You see, you no, I, I think there's a lot you've got to do to, to make something happen so that God will do for you what obviously he's done for a lot of other people. But they were different. They, they were worthy of it. And obviously you're not. You've got to do You've got to qualify yourself. Get yourself a miracle. Then, as the accuser, I'll be satisfied and leave you alone. Anywhere you find religious anxiety, I've got to do something. I've, what, 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 what's missing here? What's missing? Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, hold it, hold it. You, 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 you're savoring. You're, you're falling for this. And any the, these ideas that is God really with me is 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 He really all that I need? Is if if He was with me, why this? Beware, you're falling right into this. There's no debate. You don't entertain the thought. Understand this: with every situation that you find yourself in and are going through, there is a promise from God that shall be made alive to you by the Holy Spirit as you ask receive it and live by it and rest in him 
And when you pray, don't pray from the satanic if. That is, when you pray, pray from who you know you are because of who Jesus is and because of what the Father has said. Pray from who you are. Pray from the fullness of all that you have in Christ, not from the if, which is praying from what I don't have. Do you follow me? I suppose that demands another long talk, but we don't pray from what we don't have. We, we don't pray from what is not ours. We're not sending up an SOS as our boat is drowning and hope the Coast Guard sees it. No, we are the children of God. I don't care how we feel or what appearances. We are. And we are the dearly loved and greatly pleased by the Father. That's what we pray for. We pray from heaven. We're, we're there in the middle of abundance and we're asking that it be made manifest for his glory, for the blessing to be seen and received by others as well as ourselves. But, but we, don't, we don't start out by, oh God, if I'm the son of God, why is this happening to me? If I'm the son of God, please, please, please. I promise I won't be. No. And from there, because there, there were a couple of other temptations, but that, that's the essence of it, even in the other two. That's the essence of it. Jesus defeated Satan, defeated Satan by plain statement of truth concerning his identity and the unchangeable trustworthiness of his father, regardless of the circumstances he found himself in. And having defeated thus Satan, it says he came out of the wilderness filled with the Holy Spirit. He came out of the wilderness with a track record of trust in his father and knowing who he was, not because of circumstances and situations, but because of what Father has said and done. Well, I trust that through the fog of having just returned from a very busy retreat, the Holy Spirit has used used these words to bless you and establish you in your life in him. And I will be back next week, wide awake, with the word of the Lord. Now the blessing of God, who is love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that glorious blessing be with you, be in you, be ahead of you and under you and over you and behind you, granting you his total peace as you rest into who he is and who you are in him, that out of you may flow to the world rivers of living water. Amen.